Hi there, my name is Dan and I'm one of the pastors here at HDBB and I'm so glad that we get to look at the Bible together today. A few years ago, it was our friend Kenneth's birthday and it was a big one. And so for his birthday, rather than presents, he asked loads of his friends to join him on an epic home, epic build. Now, Epic Homes, if you don't know about them, are a fantastic Malaysian organization that work with the Oranasli communities to build safe, suitable, and sustainable housing for them. And the way it works is that Epic Homes provides the materials and the know-how, and then friends get together and they provide the funding and the people power to build a house in three days. It's a great challenge. And so we turned up and we had our first briefing and then we got to work. I took my shovel, I placed it in the ground, I lifted some sand, and have never been more tired in my entire life. Oh my goodness, it was exhausting. Growing up, even doing you know tiny projects in England, the main concern was that you would get so cold you might lose a limb to frostbite. I had not anticipated the heat and humidity of working under the Malaysian sun. It was really hard work, but every day, at 3 p.m., it rained. And when I say it rained, it rained. For 30 minutes solid, rain, wind, thunder, and then as quickly as it had come, it would stop. And suddenly, the air was cool, the ground was soft, and from that point onwards, we got more work done in the few hours of sunlight remaining than we'd done in the whole day up to that point. The air was cooler and the ground was softer. The ground is softer after the storm. And what I want us to remember today, like if you forget everything else we talk about, is this. The ground is softer after the storm. The storm comes and it softens the ground and it sweeps away the sand. And I want us to keep that in mind as we look at Jesus's words today, because we are all going through a storm. We're all going through a storm at the moment. And some of the things we were building our life upon have been shaken. And some of those things have fallen down. We've discovered that some of the things we relied upon were not that reliable. They were not built on the rock that would last. And that means that we have a unique opportunity, maybe a, a once in a generation opportunity to consider how we want to rebuild our lives, our families, our workplaces, our communities, and most importantly, what it is we want to rebuild our lives upon. Because the ground is softer after the storm, the sand is swept away, and it is easier to reach for the rock. So the reading we're going to look at today is Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 29. And it comes at the end of what is widely acknowledged to be the most remarkable teaching ever taught. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus lays out a vision for what life and relationship with the living God, what following Jesus is supposed to look like, and importantly, what it can look like for you and for me. And then he finishes these teaching with these words which are both a warning and a promise for us today. So this is Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Amen. Amen. Jesus is a master storyteller. Like no one else, his stories have changed the world. And what I love about this one is that the imagery is so evocative. It's simple enough for a child to understand. In fact, there's an amazing kids action song to go with this, link in the chat. And it's simple enough for a child to grasp, but also so deep that we're still thinking about what it means 2,000 years later. And part of the reason that it's so powerful is that it's so evocative. You have the rain, the, the, the wind, the thunder, and then the sound of the crash. But it's also emotionally evocative because it's talking about something happening to our home. If your home has ever been burgled or you've had a fire or flood, you know what it's like. It's like a punch to the gut. And this is the kind of urgency that Jesus is trying to evoke in us with this story. And there are four powerful images that he gives us as we think about this question of how it is we are gonna rebuild our lives. Firstly, the storm. One of the things this story tells us is that following Jesus does not give us a free pass on the storms of life. It doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. For both houses, we read that the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. The storm comes to both houses. And if anything, following Jesus will bring you into more storms, not less, because your journey, not just through your own storms, but we share in each other's as well. I mean, inevitably in this story, the wise man will have to invite the foolish man over to stay. He's got nowhere else to go. We encounter storms, but the promise is he will get you through them. And the storm we've been facing is obviously the pandemic. And in many ways, COVID is an example, not just of a, a storm, but a perfect storm against human flourishing. Using the second image that Jesus gives us, you could think of your life as a house. And a house is made of three things, a foundation, a frame, and then the fabric. COVID hit the foundation of our lives. Our lives are built on relationship. We need to relate to others in order to be emotionally healthy. The lockdown hit our relationships, removing some and intensifying others. It then hit the frame of our lives. We all crave structure to know how to organize our time. And that got blurred as we worked and played and socialized through the same little glass screen. And then the pandemic hit the fabric of our lives. The fabric of a house is the walls that keep the elements out and allow us to make a home 
within. This is the importance of agency, of being able to make choices. We need agency over our lives to see that our choices matter. Our, our brains need to see that when we pull this lever, this thing happens. Cause and effect, reaping and sowing, knowing that we can make a difference. And suddenly, everything we knew no longer worked in the same way. Let's meet up. You can't. Let's get close. Stay back. Uh, for the sake of others, our agency was capped. The pandemic is the perfect storm to smash human thriving. But if we listen to Jesus's teaching and put them into practice, the house we will build will not only be able to stand this, but anything we face in the future. Now, in the same way that the choice isn't, will we face a storm or will we not face a storm? We will. The same goes for building. It's not the choice of will you build or won't you build. We are all building a house. We are all making decisions about our lives, our legacy, and our eternal destiny. The choice is not between building or not building. It's will you build on the rock or will you build on the sand? And Jesus says there are only two options. One option for us to build on is the third image that Jesus uses, which is to build on sand. And it's an amazing image because what is sand like? Sand is malleable, it's responsive, it, but it's not reliable. And it's pretty annoying when it gets into your shoe. Every year around the world, there are these next level competitions where people gather around to build the most incredible sandcastles. Like what you can do with sand is astounding. I mean, look at these, like they are ridiculous, but none of them are there now. One of the things some people use to try and keep the sand together a bit longer is hairspray. Uh, and it works for a little while, but the next day it's all gone. So why is it that we would ever be tempted to build our lives on sand? Well, firstly, Sand is easy to build with. You know, children can build with sand. It's low effort. It takes way more effort to dig into rock. We think, in other words, that it will cost us less. But it costs us more because we have to build twice. This is saying to Jesus, I'll follow you in this area of my life, but I won't follow you in this area because it costs too much. It's too hard. The second reason that we build on sand sometimes is that sand is malleable. We often think if we build on sand, then we haven't limited our options. We can still move things around a bit. But again, because we haven't made a choice, we've now limited our time, which is way more valuable. And thirdly, we often build on sand simply because we mistook sand for rock. After all, what is sand? Sand is that which used to be rock. Sand is the rock that wasn't able to withstand the storms. Lots of things look like rock, but give it a storm and give it some time and they reveal themselves to be sand. Like global trade looked pretty secure and then the wind blew against the ship in the Suez Canal. We all have plans for 2020 and then COVID. I saw this uh, a while back, leaving my dentist, a handrail for some steps, but it's made of plastic pipe. Like this thing was more flimsy than a bit of paper. Like these things look like they will take our weight, but they won't. We're tempted to build on sand because it looks like it will cost us less, but in the end it ends up costing us more because it overpromises 
and underdelivers because when the storm comes, it fell with a great crash. Now, Jesus here is speaking about our eternal destiny. He says, many will say to me on that day. On that day is a term that Jesus uses to speak of the day of judgment when everything will be revealed for what it really is. And we'll come to that in a moment. But he is also speaking about how we live our lives now. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So this is about how you live your life in the here and now. And so the question is, am I building on sand? So what might this look like? Let, let's ground it, if you like. Uh, a lot of the Sermon on the Mount speaks into how we do relationships. And so I often get asked a, a pastoral question around why it is that living together before marriage is not a wise idea. And you can view it through this lens. The thought is often, isn't it a good idea to live together before you're married because you can test to see if you are compatible? But actually, this isn't testing, it's building. Every moment spent in a relationship is an investment of time. It's, it's building a house. But it's building a house built on sand because you are in, but you've also gotten out. Part of your life is committed, but other parts aren't. And so the foundation is not firm. And you can see the effects of that in the, the stats around separation. The psychologist Meg Jay calls this sliding, not deciding. That whenever you slide into a decision, rather than deciding on a decision, you are more likely to be building on sand. And I think you can see this theme throughout everything that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it said, do not murder. I say to you, don't be angry at your brother. In other words, having integrity and integration between your thoughts and your actions. He says, don't judge because the way you measure others is the way you'll be measured. It's integrity in our hopes and expectations. And in fasting, prayer and giving, he says, don't do it to be seen. In other words, it's integrity in your motivations. All of these are integrity in the foundational things which are hidden. They're hidden parts of our lives, right? None of these things Instagram very well. None of these things are easily seen, but the effects are. He wants us to have integrity in our lives, else we're building on sand. And eventually it all falls down with a great crash. And when it does, it's painful, it's public, but the good news is it does not need to be permanent. Sometimes the cost of repentance, of, of changing direction is, is knocking down the house, but other times it's asking Jesus to move the house. It's hard, but it's not impossible for him. You may have seen this story from San Francisco a few weeks back where a house had to be moved across the city. Uh, and maybe this is a picture for some of you uh, it, the, of what you need Jesus to do for you in this next season. Repentance is painful and it is public, but it's worth it because he's given us a better place to build. And this is the last image, which is the rock. And the great thing is, living in KL, we have one of the best visual illustrations and reminders available to anyone, anywhere, because in nearly every part of the city, you can see the Petronas Towers. Now, the towers are impressive. They are a stunning work of design and engineering. But the most important part 
you cannot see. The food court? No, the foundations. The foundations are as much a feat of engineering and design as, as the rest of the building. The foundations go five stories down. They set a new world record in making them for the longest pour in concrete history. 54 hours nonstop, a truck arriving every two and a half minutes like clockwork. The logistics of getting that many trucks anywhere, let alone through the KL traffic, and then having them arrive on time is remarkable. It took a year to build, and then at the end, they had this. And let's be honest, it's not that exciting, but it is foundational. Maybe we built this city on rock and roll, but the Petronas Towers were built on 32,500 tons of concrete. Because it doesn't matter how impressive everything above is, if the foundation is not built on rock, it will all come crashing down. All the engineers show me some love in the chat. So how do we build our lives on the rock? Firstly, it's hearing God's word. It's why we read the Bible together on Sundays. It's why we encourage everyone to do the Bible in one year. It's reading, but then it's being obedient to those words too. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. The difference between the wise and foolish builder is not hearing God's word, but obeying it. So we hear his teaching and then we put it into practice especially in the areas of our lives that we looked at earlier that are vital for us to flourish and live well. With the, the fabric of your life, your agency and choices, he says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Give your life away, prefer other people. For the structure of your life, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Ask the Lord, what's your agenda for my day, for this season? But although doing is part of it, it's not the whole of it. It's key that we remember Jesus's words to that first group in our reading who he says are building their life on the sand. This is what he says. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So in other words, they believe the right things. They call Jesus Lord. They're also emotionally engaged with their faith. They call him Lord, Lord. And they're actively involved. In your names, they perform many miracles. They're doing all the stuff. And these are all key elements of following Jesus. But you can want these things and still not want him. You can want to believe the right things and fight for them with passion and action and it all still be about yourself, not be about him. In other words, some will say on that day, Lord, Lord, look at all my accomplishments. Look at what I did in your name. And it's terrifying how much one can do in the name of Jesus without being in fellowship with Jesus. All that you can do in his name, but not for his name. And to those, Jesus says, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers which is ultimately just giving them what they wanted because they didn't want him. If we come to Jesus and think that it is because of who we are that we are accepted, then we are building on sand. See, like, think about it from the crowd's perspective for a moment. As though 
hear those words for the first time. If you'd asked a group of Jews what the house is that God is building, they would have said God's people, the the house of Israel. And if you asked them what it was built on, they would have said it's built on God's laws set in stone about about which they prayed three times a day. The the words of the Shema prayer, which are, are preceded by the command to hear Israel and be careful to obey. The word Shema simply means hear and do. And now we have Jesus using those same words, saying hear my words and obey my words because the living law is here. The rock of your foundation is here, which is why when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. They're amazed, astonished, struck out because Jesus is pointing to himself. And that is as offensive to our egos and our culture as it was to them then. So which words will you build your life upon? Will you build your life on the words of who the culture around you says you are? Maybe the sum of your profitability? Or will you build your life on your own words about yourself? Maybe a list of your achievements? Or will you build your life on who Jesus says you are? Because whatever you build your life upon, you need to be sure that it will be able to stand not just the storm of the pandemic, but the great storm of death itself. This is the decision that will determine how we live and where we will spend eternity. And what Jesus is saying here is that nothing we can say will stand in that storm. It will fall with a great crash. But through his death and resurrection, Jesus has shown us that his way, his life and his words will stand. And this is what Jesus is driving us towards with this image of the storm. What he wants to get us to is the place where we look at his teaching and we look at his demands and we go, what? You're asking that? I can't do that. I can't even begin to want to want to do that with all of me. And he's driving us there because that is a place of truth and that is a place of grace. See, if on that final day we find ourselves saying, God, you should accept me because of all I've done, then we've missed the point. Because actually the real me is that my repentance is half-hearted. My affection is often cold and my obedience falls short. But Jesus, you died for me. You went to the cross. You went through the storm of the cross for me. And it is you that I choose to build my life upon. To build your life on the rock is to accept that you are building on the grace of God alone. And this is such a place of grace and joy. I I saw it in my Alpha group recently. It was the week where we give people the opportunity to pray for each other. And everyone was understandably quite shy. And then one of our group shared that they were facing a, a significant health scare. And suddenly people in the group were emboldened to pray. Some of them praying for their first time aloud ever. And I think it was because they saw this big need in their friend's life and they realized They had nothing to offer, but they knew someone who said that they did. And so they prayed. And that takes us full circle to the beginning of where Jesus starts his teaching. He begins the Sermon on the Mount with these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what? You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope because with less of you, there is room for more of God and his rule and his word. The storm sweeps away the sand and it makes it easier for us to reach out to the rock. This is the moment for us to consider where it is we want to rebuild and know that Jesus, he's the ultimate builder and he is building his church on himself. And all of us are invited to be part of that. One pastor from the persecuted church in our region put it so beautifully a few weeks back when he said this, the Christian hope lies in this. We are not stronger or purer than others, but rather than believing in ourselves, we believe in Jesus who upholds us whenever we fall, who strengthens us when our strength is drained and who loves us when we are in pain. This is our hope and this is the moment to step into it in a new way because the ground is softer after the storm. The storm sweeps away the sand and makes it easier for us to reach out to the rock. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. So why don't, wherever you are now, why don't you just stand and let's take a moment to invite him to fill us afresh and then see where he wants to go. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love what you do and the way that you do it. And we ask that you would come and fill us afresh. Come, Holy Spirit, wherever people are watching this, pray that you would come and fill them from top to bottom. May they know your love for them anew now.